Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, and welcome to Near and Queer to My Heart. I'm your host, Amanda G. Always happy to be here. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to all the love we've been getting on all the social media and the reviews and all that stuff. If you like us, subscribe. If you've already subscribed, thank you. If you want to leave us reviews, we love those things. Now, this episode, this is the fifth of five that we recorded at the Midwest Queer Comedy Festival. And I saved this one for last because this is the guy who created the festival, Dwayne Duke. He had in his head one day, he's like, I'm going to do a queer comedy festival. And then he did it. He brought comics from all over the country to Columbus, Ohio, so that we could do comedy, we could meet, we could be in a queer space with each other. And it was such an awesome vibe. And I'm so happy I got to meet him. I'm so happy that during this festival that he was running, and trust me, this guy was running around like crazy, he took time out to talk with us. And that's, that's so cool. And I just, this is probably going to be sappy and everyone will probably tease me for it later. But, you know, I got to say it, like, if you have a dream, if you have a goal out there, go for it. Live your truth. You know, sometimes people say, oh, maybe you're too old to do this, you're too this, you're too that. Do it anyway. Fuck them. Because why not? Don't live scared. A lot of people look back later and they're like, oh, I wish I, when I was younger, I knew, I knew this or I did that. Even now I'm 35 and when I look back in my 20s, I'm like, I wish I didn't give a shit so much about my appearance or what other people thought of me because that consumes so much of your brain. And when you take that away, you have that brain space to use for creative endeavors and to do whatever you want to do. Do you want to travel? Do you want to start a blog? Do you, are you interested in brewing your own cold brew coffee? Do you want to try stand up for the first time? What do you want to do? Ask yourself that because a lot of people don't. They say, what's cool? What are my friends talking about? That's what I'll do. No, do it yourself. And you just have to live your truth and go for your dreams and believe in yourself and just know that you're going to be okay no matter what. If you try and fail, you tried. And you'll probably feel better for doing it versus not knowing. And I don't know. I don't know if that's even Dwayne's message uh, in this podcast. But I just – he he was and is such an inspiring person. And I was so lucky to meet him and talk with him. And I think you all will really enjoy this interview with him. So let's get to it. Let's get to Dwayne Duke. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Dwayne is the. Are you the only one that put I am together the, this festival? The producer, yes. The it, this has been for the most part me. So he is the producer of the Midwest Queer Comedy Fest. We're coming to you from fantastic Columbus, Ohio, which I've actually really enjoyed. Have you've been here before? Right? Yeah, I'm from Cleveland actually, but I picked a city that I thought was sort of centralized and has a decent, has a really good queer community, and there's actually a, a lot of queer comics here. And I was like, okay, there'll be support for it. And there has been. I'm really happy. We're uh, we're recording this on Friday, so day three of five. Oh, shit, it's already Friday? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I still have 13 shows to go. That's a lot more than I thought. (laughs) Yeah, so you're born and raised in Cleveland? Uh, Born and raised in Cleveland. I uh, went to college in Florida. I've moved to New York, uh, Las Vegas. I worked for a cruise line for a little while. Okay. I, uh, I'm a road guy. I like to just not be in one place for too long. Yeah, no, that makes sense, especially coming from Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, it's a great city. It's just I don't think this festival would have worked there. Weirdly, like I'm from Los Angeles. I live in New Orleans. My family's from New York, and somehow my aunt um, ended up in Cleveland. She married a guy she met in L.A. from Cleveland, born and raised in Cleveland, then lived in L.A. They got married, and then he missed his boyhood you know, uh, <laughs> memories of Cleveland. So they packed all their shit. They moved from Los Angeles. But they had a very nice place. They moved to Cleveland. First winter hit, and he was like, I don't remember this. <laughs> I don't remember feeling this sad. I always, like around December, 
where I'm just like, why do I live here? Like, why did people stop when they were moving across country? Why did they stop here? How did that happen? And I was like, oh, yeah, some people like snow. Yeah, some people, they enjoy seasons. You know, (laughs) I live in New Orleans, so we say we have summer and not summer. Um, we don't really do the, the full season thing. I, uh, I'm not a fan of seasons. I don't like snow. Um, I can take or leave fall. Spring's okay. I'm a summer person. Like once it's 75 out, I'm like, ooh, it's chilly. <laughs> so what's it like growing up in Cleveland? Is there? Um, it's a pretty cool place to be from. Um, Is it liberal? Is it not? Kind of. So uh, when I was a kid, actually, so my dad's a cop. So when I was a kid... I think one of my first memories of him at his job is when the the KKK came to town and he like he and a bunch of other cops had to work the rally oh. like to protect the clan. Um, we had a black mayor at the time and they planned the clan rally across the street from the black family expo. Yeah, so that's like one of the first memories I have in my city, just being like, oh, so we're just going to do whatever we feel like here. So do the clan apply for permits? Like, how do you, or they're just like, we're going to show up and the police were like, we're just going to make sure that this doesn't blow up. I think they applied for permits because they had, they held a rally on like uh, city hall steps. They're organized as fuck sometimes. They can get their shit together. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a scary thing. Yeah, like they'll, they'll do paperwork. Was it like growing up with a, cop is a dad uh it's pretty cool uh so my dad's a cop my mom's a my mom is an addiction counselor and i am a drunken comic that tours the country (laughs) they're pretty cool people i like them (laughs) you have any siblings no i am i am the only child uh like i shut that factory down (laughs) they had you and they're like we can't yeah like i'm like the ford pinto they were like oh this is a bad product we (laughs) cannot put any more out (laughs) i don't think that's true I mean, it's not like they destroyed the product. They're just like, okay, we'll put our name on it, but we are not producing any more of this. <laughs> but now everything rests on your shoulders, you yeah. know? Yeah, well... Like, I, 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 have a, I have a brother, so, if, like, if I fuck up, as long as I fuck up less than he does, it's cool, because it's like, well... Yeah, well, I'm the, I'm the middle cousin. Uh, my mom has two siblings, and I'm the middle of, like, seven. My dad has, like, 12 siblings. I'm the middle of... 20 i think so like it's a sliding scale on how i'm getting judged so it's like so long as i'm not the worst cousin (laughs) okay so they did have that system they just outsourced it a little bit and then i figured on my mom's side of the family like i'm the favorite cousin because like i'm doing just well enough where everyone's like oh my god he's doing things but i'm not doing so well where like no one else can compare i'm not the biggest fuck up but i'm not like the shining star i'm like a middle ground and it's a good place i think everyone likes me yeah you can just glide by and just do what you want. Graduate high school in Cleveland? Yep, went to high school. Went to a Catholic all-mill high school. Oh, how was that? It's not like the porn. It is more like, it's very boring. I learned a lot of words that were descriptive towards me <laughs> within the first few days of school. Like, I learned the word fag. It was like, oh, what's that? Oh, that sounds fun. Because I know um, different, and I've talked to quite, actually quite a few of our comics that have come on this uh, podcast have come from Catholic uh, schools and some of them are like we didn't talk about anything and some of them are like no they shoved it down our throat so hard it wasn't my choice to be out in high school I just like I'm not exactly the kind of guy that's flying on the radar so if it's, if this was a grinder ad I would not be posting straight acting <laughs> so yeah I got outed like my sophomore year and it wasn't a huge surprise because everyone knew and I was like well thanks for telling me every day but I feel like this really should have been my choice yeah like what happened just I, I don't like know. Someone like, who knew for sure and just told everybody, or like someone, someone who just... guessed and told everybody and just decided like that, like that's what the thing was. And luckily, it never got back to the administration because I would have been expelled. But really, yeah, Catholic schools they they have their own rules. Uh, this was, I mean, this is before bullying was. This is before Lady Gaga said you can't bully. So, yeah. like this is before we were all born this way. That's back when it was still a sin. Like I was coming out just as. Just as uh, sodomy laws were getting overturned, like when it when it became legal to have gay sex in America, which was like 2002. Hey, look, I think in it was 2014 in Louisiana. Yeah. If I, and they might even still be on the books. I'm not sure. Like we keep finding all these laws that we're like, what the fuck? Like someone was someone posted something about the age of consent in Ohio, and I looked it up, and it was like the age of consent for heterosexual sex is like 
the female can be as young as 14 yeah. or she can be like 13 with the permission of her parents or something like that. Yeah, sign permission slips. And <laughs> like if her there. parents don't press charges, but there's no like law in the books for like homosexual sex. So like if a guy's 18 and his boyfriend's like 17, if his boyfriend's parents come home and they're like, we don't like this, you're going to jail. He's going to jail. Fuck. Yeah. It's all uneven, and we're we're evening it out slowly. But yeah, oh, it's it's one of those things. It's like, unfortunately, someone has to go down for something for everyone to realize it's a problem. So we're gonna sacrifice a lot of people to fix some really fucked up laws. Um, bestiality it has only been illegal, illegal in Ohio for like a year, year and a half. Like we really? voted, and it was a narrow passing uh, <laughs> for Why? people to not be able to fuck animals. I guess once you get in that voting booth, nobody's around to see how you voted. Yeah. I think a lot of people just skipped the issue because they were like, there's no way that that's a real thing. Yeah. They're like, is this what I think it is? Like, that can't be. This This is yeah. what, 2016, 2017. They're like, this cannot be. That's some crazy shit, man. Yeah. I think it was, it was the 2016 primaries that that was on the books and it became, so in like March of 2016, the law got passed and I think it. I think it went on the books in, like, November of 2016 that you can't fuck animals in Ohio. Wow, right when we elected? Yeah. No, that was the next year. I was like, (laughs) right when we're getting in that election period. No, that was right when they were announcing who was running. Yeah, uh, being in Cleveland during that shit show was just... I didn't even plan to be home, um, but then my touring schedule fell out, so I was in Cleveland and i fucked up one day i was driving around and i missed the turn so i ended up in downtown at the heart of the convention it was the most dystopian thing i've ever seen like so all the bars had applied for late permits so they could stay open at 4 a.m but all the streets were empty no one's in anything there's these high gates there's just cops riding around in minivans with automatic rifles just hanging out the back of them everyone looks so bored and so stressed and i was driving a toyota camry so like i would stop at a stoplight and people would just run out and try to open my back doors because they thought i was an uber oh shit and i was like i kept having to like just say no to people who i'm sure were like like (laughs) reporters and constituents from like random states and like where the fuck's my uber they're not coming yeah like no one wants to drive through this lawless wasteland right now oh man uh, so many bars lost money because they applied for these special permits and like their extra staffing and people were like, we're not, we're not coming downtown. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they thought that. Well, cause normally those conventions make a lot of money, but 45 had been so divisive that a lot of companies had pulled out cause they're like, we, while we're cool with saying, okay, we'll support the Republicans, we'll support the Democrats equally. This dude has been such a dick. It's going to be it's gonna come back poorly on us for being a part of this yeah and he also paid a lot of people to show up at his things yeah which is well, crazy to me didn't pay he promised pay oh, promised a, pay <laughs> a lot of people are are still suing the campaign to try and get paid oh geez and they're just getting weighted out yeah no that's one of his game plans he's he is which is crazy so there's a midwest queer comedy fest in columbus mm-hmm. and who's coming here tomorrow uh, tonight he tonight. will be in town tonight okay. actually um he's going to be here for the ohio state uh republican dinner so it's not a it's not a rally so hopefully there won't be any speeches he's doing a dinner and then a fundraiser here in town yeah so it's crazy so donald trump's going to be in columbus ohio and then right now actually mike pence is in new orleans <laughs> So I'm like, I can't go anywhere. Like, I can't get away from get away from Pence. Come here. I'm like, fuck <laughs> the other guy. Uh, yeah, he announced it last week, and I was like, really, fuck boy. I <laughs> like, I don't have enough going on. There's a fucking anime convention in town, and <laughs> you're like, I have to com- compete with the anime convention, and then you are just gonna block up all the streets for no fucking reason. Yeah, and uh, I'm just gonna get so, pissed about it. Yeah, that's a thing. I am. I'm looking at alternative traffic routes. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I'm telling everyone to just. Make time, make time, make time. Get to shows early. 
just hang out, just do whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like that we're like balancing it out. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, like the queers all came, like we're all here now and that's awesome. And then, and then Trump's going to be here, but it's okay. Cause we're like balancing it out somehow. Yeah. Like we're kind of tipping the scales into our favor. There's more of us. So. Yeah. And, and we're better looking. <laughs> and this is like a weird spot. Cause I mean, uh, where one of the venues is, is literally three blocks from the Capitol building. So, oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, that. so we're in, we're in the capital of Ohio, and downtown has the Capitol building and just all the legislators. And you're like, ugh, you people. I did learn this was the capital of Ohio when I was looking up, like, where is Columbus? And then I was like, oh, that is the capital. Yeah, we're, we're right in the middle of the big O.O. <laughs> yeah, learning things. So when you graduated, you graduated high school, yeah. Catholic high school, got the get a special Catholic high school degree. <laughs> yeah, it's a comes with its its very own uh chastity belt and holy water like what do you <laughs> uh, no it's like any other uh my parents put me in catholic school because the cleveland public school system is notoriously bad and they're like hey we want you to have a future and i was like i'll show you <laughs> yeah we'll fight you every step of the way yeah and then i went to uh the university of tampa down in florida and i partied my face off for four and a half years and I finished, and then I didn't do anything for, I didn't do shit with my first degree. I'm back in college now. I'm uh, I'm working on a second bachelor's and my MFA in oh, creative writing. What was your first bachelor's in? Advertising, public relations, film and media arts. So okay. it was a communications degree, and all I've ever done with it is write a better grinder profile. <laughs> like, I really know how to do basic Photoshop. <laughs> Look, basic Photoshop can get you a lot of places these days. Yeah, um, all the graphics for the festival, like, for the most part, except for the logo, I've been doing all of the graphics for this. So it's just been a lot of nights at 3 a.m. going, oh, fuck, I can't <laughs> sleep. And shit, I forgot to put up a poster for this. Oh, fuck, I forgot to do an IG thing for this. It's it, that stuff's so much work. Um, yeah. I'm sure the people that listen to this podcast and see um her I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and it's like you don't want to post the same shit on all the things and then you gotta have all, I, it, it's just it's a lot and yeah and it's a never ending cycle so uh, I only keep my Twitter around because I write jokes on there that'll go on my Instagram my Facebook <laughs> I for, if for it wasn't for this purposes. festival I wouldn't even have the Facebook like I I don't need it right now. Like, because I, I don't post jokes there. I post show updates and pictures of me doing nonsense. And then the pictures will also end up on Instagram. And then every now and again, I'll tweet something and it'll end up on all three things. And I'm looking at the impressions I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're just like, fuck you guys. That was a really funny joke. Four <laughs> people, really assholes. See, I'm like, four people. This was a good fucking joke <laughs> for me. No one reads my Twitter. It's terrible. <laughs> Me and this other comic were like, how do we get people to read our Twitter? And then we're like, we're calling it our Twitter. So we're already we're already behind on this. All right. Why Tampa? Like why uh, Cleveland to Tampa? So I fought with my parents over where I could go to college. I wanted to go to City College in London because I really wanted to get out of Ohio. That we couldn't figure out the exchange rate. My mom was like, well, if you can't figure out the exchange rate, you, like that's the basis. Like that's the easiest thing this is going to be. And then we... Um, they were like, okay, you can go away to school, but you can't be too far. Like, you have to be close enough where we can get to you in case of emergency. So we fought across country. It was like, started in California, and then uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. That was a huge fight. No one was like, everyone was like, you're not going to Texas. You're going to die. You're going to get you're gonna get killed in Texas. And I was like, I'm not going to get killed in Texas. Like, I'm going to be at a, at a university. Like, nothing bad ever happens at a university in Texas. Also, Florida? <laughs> Uh, so Florida's in good. Com I mean, I listen to a lot of murder podcasts, and I'd say Florida and Texas are yeah pretty close. Also, Cleveland, <laughs> y'all have a lot of serial killers. We grow them. Uh, <laughs> Ohio grows three things: presidents, astronauts, and serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> and That's, no overlap between those. We don't know yet. I mean, <laughs> what did Grover determined. Cleveland really do? <laughs> Nobody knows, actually. Ask any walk, walk outside and ask anybody on the street. They probably no. can. Uh, I was in New York City when the last serial killer, the guy that held all those women in the basement for 14 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like when they found him, I was in New York, and uh, I think it was right after, it was either right before, uh, what was the tragedy? Oh, it was the Boston bombing. So it was right around the Boston bombing. I just remember looking over and seeing a friend of mine, and he he's a little bit older than me, so he's just devastated. He's like, how is this a thing? And he's like, how are you not in tears? And I was like, because I grew up in a time where 
once or twice a month, something just at, uh, horrible would happen. And you just, you get so used to it. Like, so I was a kid when Columbine happened. I was a kid, or I was in eighth grade for 9 11. Um, yeah, you know, like I, I have time markers in my life where it's just like, oh, this awful thing happened. This awful thing happened. We went to war this day. Like, just. Yeah, like my, my first semester of college was 9-11, and then um, my first semester of law school was Katrina. So I was just like, I need to stop going to school. Yeah. This is not a good uh, situation. I was, Katrina was 2005? Yeah, okay. August 2005. Yeah, so I was just sending out applications for college when Katrina hit, and we watched it in my physics class every day for like two weeks. Because uh, my physics professor was like, or, this is... I mean, this is going to be a tragedy, guys, but, like, this is the best way that I can explain this physical thing. Like, it sucks that it has to happen, but you're going to watch it because, like, this is happening, this is happening, and he's getting just, like, this this intellectual boner over it, and at the same time, just every day, just prayers for Katrina, prayers for Katrina. Did you all discuss? Because the thing with Katrina that was so uh, amazing, I was actually in New York at the time, and I was living with someone who was from, you know, not in New Orleans, but near New Orleans. So she was just, she had family that, like, uh, she couldn't reach for a while, and it was just, for me, it's like, we're in this modern time with a lot of technology available, and we're just watching on television all these terrible things happening, you know? Yeah. And our president at the time didn't, I don't think he came there for four or five days and then when he did he just did a flyover you know in the meantime like John Cusack has a fucking boat and a plane and is coming out there like it was just this incredible like the different responses and just how like we do have the technology to do things and we can choose to use that technology or not yeah like watching it was just like oh my god this is this is happening but then after that I think I hit fatigue around Oh, what was the what was the last shooting that like really did something? Um, I went probably Virginia Tech. That shooting was like big, and then then they started coming out so frequently. It was just like, oh, this is happening. Doesn't that scare you? Like you could just be going Virginia Tech's a school. You could just be going to school. My day job is school out. photography. Oh, so you? Uh, I've been at a couple schools. Uh, for work and just have like a lockdown drill and it's so weird because kindergartners are super calm about it. they're like okay it's gun drill or it's 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 the gun drill it's the fire drill it's the terrorist drill and just, they go into lockdown and they all like go hide in the spot and they look calm and it's like you should not be just so okay with like like how horrifying is it that the little kids are just cool with okay this could be the day i die that five-year-olds understand what that is that's yeah. incredible yeah i mean we had earthquake drills but it was like stop drop and roll or that was a fire drill right stop yeah. drop and roll and then we had our earthquakes tor- you just get under the desk and- yeah so like we're at the top of tornado alley so it's uncommon for tornadoes to come this way but we have them so we would have a tornado drill once a month where everyone would go into the hallway and just put their heads down their asses up and i was like this doesn't seem safe but whatever <laughs> but like think about our parents generation and our like our like the last of our grandparents' generation, the first of our parents' generation, they had nuclear fallout drills where they would just get under their desks. And that's like not going to stop yeah. anything from happening. Like how horrifying is that idea? It was like, oh, one day, you know, we could just be having a, a pleasant conversation about arithmetic. One plus one is two. Johnny, stop touching her. And then the Russians are going to drop a bomb. We're all going to be vaporized unless you get under your fucking desk. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. I mean, in the t- you know, and then I guess there's now gun drills for kids. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. So we're going to shift gears. What got you into comedy? <laughs> I'm an only child. I'm starved for attention. So I, and I was always funny. I, I like I was a smaller child. So I learned that I wasn't going to be able to physically overpower someone. But if I could make fun of them. Or make them laugh. I always won. I always won. So it's like a disarming kind of. Yeah, like it's like I learned. Like that's why roast battles bother me so much, because it's like no, that's my defense mechanism. Why would I use that again? <laughs> like I don't want to, to use that against someone if I don't have to. Yeah, you're like I only pull this out like in yeah. special occasions. It's a thing I do, but like no, you guys stand out. Roast battles are hard because you got to be mean. I don't. I'm not a mean. Like, I don't... You gotta be mean, and you gotta be fast and mean on someone that you might not know that well. Yeah, and someone who might say, oh, it's cool, it's cool, and then you say something, and they're like, oh, shit, that's not cool. Yeah, just... Ugh. 
When did you start like performing though? Um, I started in 2011 at the Tampa Improv. I flipped my truck off a bridge that year and then I was like, well, if that didn't kill me, I guess I can try stand up. Like flipped your truck off a bridge. Yeah. I had this beautiful truck and, uh, physics is a motherfucker. And I flipped her off a bridge and she was underwater. It was like a 35 foot drop. She's underwater. I'm unharmed. My passenger's unharmed. I'm just, I'm pissed because I just put gas in it. <laughs> Y'all flipped over a bridge, fell 35 feet, unscathed. Yeah. And you're I, like, I just fucking filled this gas tank up. Yeah, like <laughs> he got two stitches. I have a tiny scar on my leg that's like smaller than my fingernail. Something cut me, probably glass or something. Uh, my truck was demolished. I was on CNN. Oh, for real? Yeah. That was your first taste of fame? Yeah. Uh, just so annoyed. Uh, <laughs> the fire brigade you brought were like, their the boat gas out. was $25.03. Um, I don't even know how much gas <laughs> was back then, but like, I remember go, going to the t- to the gas station the day before, filling it up, just going, ugh, this is so much. Like, this is like two cases of beer. <laughs> <laughs> so you had this like experience where you could have died, didn't die. And then you were like, that's that means I should do comedy. Yeah, it was like, OK, it's always been it's always been something I wanted to do, but I never had the balls to get up and do it. And then one night I was just like, OK, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And I went to the improv and I signed up and I went up at like one in the morning to an empty to an empty room. And I um, bombed. And I bombed hard and it was the best experience of my entire life. So I went back the next week and the week after that and the week after that. And like, I think it was like a month in before I finally got a laugh that I'd planned. <laughs> Besides like a joke failing and then a comment on the joke failing. And then yeah, people were like, oh, yeah, like, that like, we like. <laughs> oh, that I see what you're going for. Yeah. Oh, you're cute and you try hard. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> and then like it, it clicked and things started to go well. Um um, so then my life fell apart in Tampa and I moved to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, what happened in Tampa besides not uh, having just a truck? Like, I, well, I had been out of college for almost, almost two years at that point, And I still hadn't found a job because the economy had fallen completely to shit. I kept getting interviews for commission only jobs. Mm. And I was like, well, you're going to get the effort you pay for. If you think I'm worth a percentage of of nothing, like if if I'm guaranteed nothing, you're gonna get very nothing work. Yeah. And a lot of call center guys were like, "Well, that's not how this works. You're supposed to hustle. Like this is on you to make money." And I was like, I, "This isn't my dream. Like I don't I don't care about this. This is a day job." And one guy was just like super offended that I was, that I dared to think that it's just a job. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. I remember one interview, a guy sewed a boat for like $200,000 sitting in front of me. And he made me buy a book for the interview first, which pissed me off. It was um, how to make friend or how to make friends and influence people. Is it Dale Carnegie? Yeah. yeah. Just that dick shit just he pulled some alpha some alpha bro move on me make me buy a boat and i come in and he's got like this super nice desk and he he's like he's explaining what it is and i'm pretending to care and i'm like pretending like this is something i actually want to do and he he stops the interview for a moment because he has to take a phone call and he goes oh yeah that yeah that sounds good and he probably wasn't even buying a boat i think he was just bullshitting me to make himself seem yeah, really he probably important. had his secretary call him from the other room yeah so he's he sells the boat and he's like okay we read on on this amount cool and he hangs up and he turns to me and goes yeah i just sold a boat for two hundred thousand, you know and then he goes so here let me tell you about how this works so basically uh this is a commission only job because why limit your income earning potential to just whatever i set it at and i was like I don't know, because my bank account doesn't take dreams. <laughs> Did you say that to him? Yeah. Oh, I was done at that point. You were like, I, I need didn't to care. This quickly. That, that was like interview 200 that I had gone on. I went on a lot of interviews. I went on an interview once, just blackout drunk, because I had forgotten <laughs> I had it. But you still showed up. Yeah. Two hours late, blackout drunk. Um, I forgot I had it. Then the next day... Or, and I made it to the second round. Forget about the interview again. <laughs> but I'm not shit house drunk this time. I'm just a little buzzed when I show up at like three in the you afternoon. You just warmed up. Yeah. Like, went out the night before. We had we had free drinks, so we got lit up. Uh, go out. Make it through the second round somehow. 
find out I have a third round interview. And again, it's a call center for a pro- it was for a for profit college, I think. I don't even know. I show for the third interview. There, I'm sober. I'm prepared. I'm like in a clean suit. I showered. They gave me like a selling test where they're like, here, sell us this pen. And I was like, what? The fuck do you mean sell us this pen? This is a college. Yeah. What am I doing selling anything? Because, of course, it was a scam. So I don't make it through the last round. And the guy, as he's walking me out, he goes, you know, there's just something about you today that seems off. I thought you were going to be a really good fit here, but it doesn't seem like it. I called my mom and I was like, you're very wrong. My drinking actually is helping my life. I showed up sober for something and didn't get the job. She's confused. She she goes, why aren't you always showing up sober? (laughs) I don't know. Mondays, am I right? (laughs) You're like, I've proved it, though. You're like, I had to test it all the different ways. Blackout worked. Buzzed worked. Sober. Fuck it. Sober did not work. Um, At the end of of that, I moved to Fort Lauderdale. Then I moved back to Ohio. Then I moved to New York. Then I moved back to Ohio. Then I went and worked for Cruise Line. Then I moved back to Ohio. Then I like moved into my car and traveled the country for a little while. Oh, shit. How was a uh, cruise line? Uh, it was it was a lot of work. It was a lot more involved than you would think it would be. Because like, I signed up to work for entertainment. So I was like, oh, I'll just work being a host. And I'll, like, I'll be on the microphone all day. But there's a lot of just like load in and load out that you don't think about. I, like I had to work every debark. Which means, like, every time everyone was leaving the ship first thing in the morning, I had to be up at, like, 5.30 to, like, greet people as they're leaving. Because, heaven forbid, you check out of, you check off a ship without someone being there to be like, bye-bye, bye-bye. Yeah, that's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if I ever go on a cruise, there's no way I'm going to be the first one off the ship. Like, I I don't, like, I have nothing else planned that day. Like, I'm not not catching a flight the same day I've come back from a cruise. No, if you're the first one off the ship, there's probably a reason. And you don't want anybody witnessing that shit. Yeah. Like, I watched one guy get walked off by, uh, by security, which was hysterical. And I found out, like, two days later, he was like, well, we're in the Bahamas. Let's just get high. So he was smoking weed on his deck, which is crazy <laughs> illegal because the ship is flagged in the Bahamas and America, but we were still on American laws. That's some risky business. Yeah, so... you have any crazy cruise ship stories? I know I know a few people that have worked on cruise ships, and they're always like, man, the crew, we fucking tear it up. Oh, yeah. Um, and they talk shit it is about ex- all the guests. It is an experience in alcoholism. Like, I thought I drank before, but when beers are, like, a $1.20, you just... So everyone else on the cruise ship is paying this ridiculous amount, and you all get it, like, at cost. In crew bar, yeah. And the rule was you couldn't buy six of the same beers. So I would, like, buy six packs, but I'd have to get, like, three of one and three of another. That's not a problem. Yeah. What a weird rule. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Crazy cruise ship stories. A lot of stories start, well, well, I was blacked out. (laughs) I I got transferred to work on a bigger ship for Christmas, and I I was there for the holiday season because they were down a person, and my ship had too many people, so I, I got transferred over. There was a woman who was such a fucking problem. I was hosting family karaoke before like adults only karaoke so uh she got up and she sang her first song and i was like all right what nine o'clock i'm kicking all the kids out so i'm gonna move them up in the lineup guys don't worry the bar is still open grab a drink let's have some fun it's karaoke and she's like she comes storming over to me she goes if you keep letting these kids up i'm never gonna get to my second song i was like no you're gonna get to your second song i have you up in like four people she goes if i don't get to my second song then i'm not gonna make it down to the piano bar in time to get a good seat and i was like well, ma'am, I the kids can't be in here after 9 o'clock. And she goes, whatever, just take my name off. I'm not even going to do my second song. Okay. She keeps pointing out that it is her second song. And I'm like, well, these kids who are here on vacation, who can only be in this room for another 20 minutes, are like, I have to get them up. you know. And I'm already not happy because I'm hosting karaoke. And I'm like, I, just, I have to get them up. I, I made the announcement. All right, I'm going to get all the kids up so they can get out of the room. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I made the announcement. You heard me. You also, you also have already done a song. So then she storms out in a huff. Two days later, it's like right before New Year's Eve, and we're doing a big balloon drive. For so everyone blows up balloons and puts their wish in there. Uh, she comes over, and we gave people two options. Here, 
you put your wish in your balloon, you blow it up and you tie it off yourself, or you write your wish down and give it back to us, we'll blow up the balloon and tie it off. She uh, blows up the balloon with her wish inside and just hands me this spittle-covered thing. She goes, here, now tie it. And my cruise director was standing next to me. We can't say no to people. And we can't be like, oh, that's really gross. It's like improv, yes, and. So I grab it and I tie it up. And she, like, she turns and walks away. And I throw it in the pit. And I turn to my cruise director. She just goes, you can be done for today if you want. That seems like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I, like, ran out of there and took a shower. I found that I really love the Bacardi store in in Nassau, Bahamas. I would hang out there every day. I was in port. I got I got laid on my on the stage of my comedy club. Oh shit! Yeah, the night after I got a standing ovation, and I was just like, "Oh, this is such a <laughs> oh my god, I love this." You're like, I wanted the standing ovation, and now dessert, right? <laughs> it's like you earned it. Do you know what that lady's wish was? Uh, probably to be to not be such a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she'd wish that. I oh, think, that's what I wish for yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I think that was your wish. <laughs> uh, she was just such a miserable person. So I imagine that in her everyday life, the world is just kicking her ass. And she just wanted to sing her second song. She came to the cruise ship. She was like, <laughs> everything's about me. I don't give a shit about anything else. This is about me. We're going to get this done. And like, no one's going to tell me no for an entire week. And no one told her no. But no one also told her to be a fucking person. Yeah. It's like, you can do karaoke in your room and you can sing every song you want. You can sing anywhere on the ship at any time. Yeah. No one's going to stop you. Yeah. You can sing out into the ocean, you know? But I have people I have to take care of. Could she sing? No. She was a really bad singer. Her first song. Either she's like a really good singer and let everybody know, or she was a really bad singer that thought she was really good. And then another woman, her her daughter ha- just had to sing Adele's Rolling in the Deep. Wow. And I was like, this little girl should not know this song. Yeah. She's like six. But okay, yeah, talent showed up, mom. Was she any good? That'd be crazy if Maybe. a six-year-old could like fucking sing Adele. I, I don't know. I don't know. That this- she wasn't bad, but like it was just one of those things was like, eh, it's a kid singing. Yeah. And this is not what I signed up for. What made you leave cruise ship life? The position I really wanted to be like a full-time comedy club manager and not have to deal with the rest of the nonsense, they eliminated it. And they're like, well, you're really in training to be a cruise director. I was like, I don't want to be a cruise director. This is not my life. Like, comedy is the life that I want. This is just something to do in the off time. And then something happened with someone and I was just like, I'm fucking done with all of this. I stormed into HR and I like was like, I need to get off this ship. And she goes, do you want to transfer? I was like, no, I need to get out of this company. I hate everything. Mm-hmm. And I quit. And my, uh, my cruise director, he like calls me later. He goes, do you, did you quit today? He goes, why didn't you come talk to me? I was like, cause honestly, you're the fucking reason I quit. Damn. You were being such a dick. You just told him straight up. Yeah. Uh, my assistant cruise director, he's from Australia and he came up to me and he was like, he goes, I don't really understand it. Like, I can't get a good read on you anyway. Like, we can't figure out if you were happy in this job or you hated the job. Like, you didn't complain. You just sort of did things. And, like, I could never get a read on you. Just Like, I don't know if you liked any of us while you were here. And I was like, I liked you guys just fine. We're coworkers. And he goes, yeah, but, like, you didn't, like, show it. Like, we can't tell if you like us, if you don't like us. And I was like, oh, I'm Midwestern. We don't have a lot of emotions, and the ones we have, we're not comfortable with. <laughs> That's funny. And he's Australian. He's like, I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you Americans, whenever you hang up on the phone, you just hang up. You don't say goodbye. And like, you pick up, you start talking, you hang up. And I was like, yeah, because we're 30 feet from each other. We don't need niceties. And it's efficiency. Yeah. You don't need to spend five minutes. It's like, just get, what, what, what do you want? Hey, how's it going? Like, I don't need, hey, how's it going? He would start like that. I was like, ugh, two more minutes of this, whatever. And then when they explained to you, oh, no, I'm just checking in on your feelings. And it's like, I just, just what, just what? Was this necessary? I already don't want to have the phone on me. For real. So how do you, like, what did you do after cruise ship life? And how do you adjust? Like, I feel like that's such a different. Um, uh, after being on the ships, I came back. Um, I paid a bunch of my bills. Like I pay, I got so close to being out of debt. And then I fucked that all up. <laughs> but I got so close to being out of debt. Though. <laughs> yeah, like I, I took care of some, but like I put some major coins on some bills, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you're doing it. You you won't die in debt, maybe." <laughs> I don't know that feeling, but it <laughs> sure sounds good. Like I had money in my bank account, and I was like, "Well, fuck it. You can go to Vegas." <laughs> <laughs> 
because I was trying to go to Miami and I, I, all the rooms in Miami were so expensive. I was like, I'm not paying $300 for a hotel room. I bet I could book a flight to Vegas for cheap. And I was like half a bottle of wine in. So like I just booked a flight to Vegas um, and I like go downstairs and I talk to my mom. I was like, hey, I have to go to the airport in like an hour. She goes, what do you mean? I was like, oh, I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> so you just like go for it. When you yeah. make a decision, you're just like all in. Yeah. If that... I'm going to quit, I'm going to walk over right now and quit. If I'm going to Vegas, <laughs> it is in one hour. <laughs> yeah. Like if I can do it, I'm going to do it. Like I'll, I'll suck it up and be an adult when I have to, but like why be miserable, right? Yeah. How long were you in Vegas? Just um, I went for a day. I went for three days and then I decided I was going to move there. And then I moved there for six months. And then I um, I joined a tour and my roommate, I sublet my space. And my roommate, I guess, never spoke to the guy I sublet to. I don't know how that's possible. It wasn't that big of an apartment. They didn't pay rent. I came home to find out we had been kicked out. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I lost a bunch of my shit. And I was like, okay, well, that's fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I was like, that's why I sublet the room. So you would pay for it. So I didn't have to while I was gone. I was actually responsible in this moment. Yeah. Nobody said anything. They were just like, have fun. Yeah. So that happened. That was a comedy tour? uh, Yeah, I joined a tour called uh, Loose in the Bible Belt. So it was was like this hippie tour of comedy and a punk rock preacher and a couple of musicians. Actually, uh, the woman who is stage managing this festival, Gab- Gabby, that's uh, where we met uh, on Loose in the Bible Belt. I think it was like the second one ever. And it was a 13-day drive from Buffalo to New York down to New Orleans. Did shows, uh, we did shows all over. Columbia, South Carolina, that was a really fun time. The shows in Alabama were the best. People have been saying that um, a few of the comics last night were like, oh, I did this joke did well in Alabama and everyone seems really surprised. Yeah, Alabama is this magical place almost like because you the way it's portrayed in the media is like, OK, I'm going to go down there and then some dude named Jim Bob's just going to take me and I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I, yeah. I'm Jim Bob's wife now. Uh, but then you get there and you're like, oh, um, people are smart here and people are like, they're not racist and the barbecue is really good and, you know, it's a beautiful state. And yeah, there's a lot of shady things that happen there, aka Roy Moore. Uh, but then there's also really beautiful things that happen, like Huntsville, where NASA is. Yeah, no, and Alabama, the beautiful is actually their like state name. And when you drive yeah. through it, even Mississippi, like when you drive, it's like they're beautiful states. And when I first moved to New Orleans and we would drive to different places, like you have to drive through Mississippi, Alabama to get to Florida or, you know, even to get to Memphis or to get here, we had to drive through yeah. Mississippi. And I'm like, these are it's fucking beautiful. There's rolling hills and green trees and people for the most part have been, you know, I haven't had any problems myself. I think it's a lot of stereotyping. And I think you can say that about anywhere, even California, yeah. like people are like, oh, it's so liberal, but that's just like LA and San Francisco and San Diego. But if you go in the middle of California, if you look how it's vote, they vote, it's all red. Yeah. I mean, and there, I think the best part about the South is like, there are people, if someone doesn't like you or if they're not about what you're about, they are polite enough to just not say things for the most part. There are really loud people who are just uber dicks, but those people are everywhere and we need to quit breeding them. Yeah, well, I think, too, like, people, they, they enjoy, like, I, I found with, like, queer comedy, because I used to be so scared to do, like, my queer jokes anywhere that I felt might not appreciate them, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of people kind of enjoy that, because they don't, they don't know out queer people, or they don't know Jewish people, or, you know, so, like, when I give them these experiences, they're kind of like, ooh, this is kind of risque and, like, different, and yeah. everyone they know is, like, straight and, you know, Protestant or, or whatever Christian that town happens to be. <laughs> Yeah, like I am, I'm a bit of an anomaly for a lot of people. Like I'm not what you're gonna see every every day. I'm like a gay black guy from Ohio. I I listen to country music and I typically prefer to drive trucks. Like if I have the choice, I want a larger truck than than a smaller car, and that's where I am. And I have a good time down there. Like the the jokes work. People are real nice. We get good food. Uh, like I. I haven't had any problems. I am my head is on a swivel because I'm just like, oh, don't get don't get taken. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> do not get taken. <laughs> yeah, no, you always have to, you know, look in that rearview mirror when you're backing out. Yeah, but at the same time, it's just like 
this is just like any other place. And there are some places in this country that are beautiful. There are some places that are a shithole. Uh, the first time I drove through Memphis, I was like, what war happened here? <laughs> I love Memphis. people from Memphis, but that city needs a Kickstarter. There are streets where on one side it's like, wow, that is a lot of wealth across the street. You're like, wow, that is a lot of wealth over there. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I don't know. I like kind of gritty cities too. So that's, I like cities that are different because especially like being from California, the suburbs, like everything looks the same. Yeah. Like the town I'm in, you drive a town over, it's the same town. You drive two towns over, it's uh, like the same town, but maybe the Walmart is, you know, on the right side of the Starbucks. Like that's the difference. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of cool to see cities with like their own personalities. Um, Columbus has a lot of that. Cleveland has Cleveland's really got a, a personality. I love it. In high school, so you're basically like outed in high school, and then you were like, "This is who I am." Did you tell your parents at that time? Uh, your family? Yeah. So I told family. I told my parents when I was like 14, and then again when I was like 15, and then when I was like 17. And we'll probably have another conversation when I'm like 32. Just you know, just a circle back, like, "Hey guys, this is why I've been single this whole time. <laughs> it's not because I haven't found the right woman. <laughs> there isn't one." Are they still hopeful that that's a possibility, or do they understand like this is? Who, I don't who know. You are? We we haven't talked about it in so long, but there's it's mostly because like I don't like to get super personal with my parents. It, <laughs> like it feels weird. Like like I don't want to talk about my sex life because I don't want them to talk about their sex life. Yeah, uh, I'm single and like I've never been in a serious relationship where it was necessary to bring you to bay home so it wasn't like a hey this is my partner and you guys have to call him this and like it's gonna be a guy and just so like that hasn't been a thing so you know one day i'll cross that bridge when i get to it but i think that bridge is in a town that isn't even developed yet <laughs> okay yeah i mean I, I definitely like got a girlfriend first and then came out because there's also like a, a for me there's like a strength in that where it's like okay now i definitely know who i am and i have this you know relationship kind of versus i don't know i but i also kind of wish i just like came out and like did it on my own terms but yeah i kind of like waited till i you know was like okay well if you want to come i'm gonna i have to go see my family at some point and i would like you to come with me and i'm not just gonna show up with you so I feel like even if I'm dating somebody, the likelihood that they'll have to come do family stuff will be low because I don't like to go to family stuff. <laughs> like I pick three or four family things a year and I'm like, all right, I'll be there. Uh, my mom called me and she's like, are you going to be at the family barbecue this date? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, the barbecue. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean the barbecue? She goes, the barbecue. And I was like, quit saying the barbecue. <laughs> quit saying that like that's the thing I know. She goes, your cousin invited you to the barbecue in February. And I was like, I don't remember February. Yeah. Did I write it down? She goes, well, you're in town. Are you going to go? And I was like, I didn't plan on it, but is, I is guess I can. a Facebook that invite that I committed to? Because <laughs> if there's nothing in writing, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I was like, I was planning on being in a whole different state, guys. <laughs> Uh, and she goes the barbecue and, and I was like you keep saying it like the more <laughs> aggressively you say the barbecue I'm going to be like oh yeah the barbecue oh, oh I'm, I'm we glad we, we, we cleared this up yeah. but no <laughs> the hell are you talking about no you just say it louder and with more emphasis. You emphasize different syllables and oh, sooner or the later. The barbecue. Yeah. No. <laughs> so what made you decide to do a, a Midwest queer comedy festival? It started as an idea to be a part of the Cleveland Comedy Festival and then that didn't pan out. And then I was like, I want to do a a queer festival. Like I wanna I wanted to just get all of us together in one space do some networking uh and really just because how many festivals do you go to and you're just like oh really that's the one queer guy you got like <laughs> your diversity is if your diversity fits into a chevy tahoe on your festival of 40 comics you're fucking up you're doing it wrong and that's a lot actually yeah. for some of the festivals i've yeah i've been to some are really good about like diversity and all like in age and and sex and uh, gender and sexual identity and some are like Nope, we're just, this is who we're going to have. Yeah, like, some some festivals, they do, like, a blind draw, and they listen to just the material, which you, I respect that. Some festivals are like, we're, we're looking to get this demographic, this demographic, or this what our audience is. And I have to respect that, too. I mean, they're bookers. When I looked at this, I was like, okay, I, I'm going to look at funny first. Like, I, I want to look at funny first, and then take in diversity into account, and... I was surprised that there wasn't more pushback from like mouth breathers on the internet <laughs> over this. Like I didn't get called out 
for you know oh it's only a queer comedy hustle a couple people posted some things and i shut that shit down real fast because every time they posted it i was already not in a good mood and i got to take out a lot of aggression on them on the internet what did they say i remember this one post from this trash comic in southern ohio and she posted do I got to send a video of me licking box to get in? And I responded, I was like, oh no, this is a comedy festival, actually. <laughs> We're looking for funny people. <laughs> well, you did end up, like, yesterday there was uh, two ladies who identified as straight on the show. Yeah, so there are allies. I was I was always open to allies. I was just the idea was I want people who are, who are first and foremost funny, but like I wanted a primarily queer festival. The idea is... Uh, I was pitching it as a queer centric festival, like LGBTQIA quote bag plus. Yeah. <laughs> so did they festival. did they apply? Yeah. Or, okay. So everyone, uh, everyone with the exception of Ian Aber, Jen Snyder, and Brooke Cardis all applied. And those are the headliners. Yes. Yeah. This there wasn't any just like oh my god I have to have you. There were people that I reached out to. I was like hey please please submit. Like I really would like to see you at this. And there are a few people who, like, I saw their na- their names come in, and I was like, I'm going to watch your video, but I don't have to. I know you're in. Yeah. Um, well, if you've already seen them live, I mean, that's the best video you're going to get. Yeah. But as far as that, like, did you, because I don't remember it saying, like, there's allies, there's, or did folks apply, and I don't even remember, did we have to identify ourselves, or was I, it, like, people just applied, and... Um, I, I struggled with that in the beginning. I was like, do I want to put it on there to identify yourself? And I was, I was like, no, just... Like for some people, you can sort of tell. For some people, it's just like if if this is the festival they're applying with, they're applying for like queers in the name of the festival. So yeah. if they're comfortable with that, and their material isn't like scuzzy, good, they're in. No, I wonder because I I host a monthly queer storytelling show in New Orleans, and my rule is if you identify in queer in any way, shape, or form, no matter what you've physically done or who you've been with or whatever as long as you can say i am queer in some way you're welcome on my stage and if you can't identify if you can't self-identify that way then this is not the stage for you with having so many spots to fill and so much time to go and i was like i mean it it would it's disingenuous for me to not have any straight people on the festival just like it'd be disingenuous to not have any like black people or any asian people or any like any trans people on the festival just because like that's not the world i live in like those people exist and their voices are important too now i did make sure that i didn't pick anybody who was just who had a point of view who would be toxic or i think i got two submissions where i i watched it i was like i could invite you but then i would have to invite the riot police as well <laughs> and that's not that they're all going to be busy at the trump yeah dinner yeah. um no because I, I just thought it was interesting because the two ladies like you know i don't i don't look think about anybody when they go on stage just i listen to their sets and i you know watch what they're doing and both of them at like within a minute or two were like uh yeah i'm straight like they felt this need to to clarify that which made me think about it where i was like did they cuz i'm like is it a good thing that they did this because they felt like that this is important because this is a queer space and they're feeling that? Um, or is it something that like they should have, did it take away from their comedy by m- me now thinking about this piece versus like focusing on, on their comedy? Um, um, that, that's sort of, that's a thought I like hadn't kicked around. I, I liked it because it's sort of like they're identifying as straight and they're like, well, finally I'm the minority in the room, which has been, a big piece for people. Um, one of the volunteers, uh, she's a friend of mine. She turned to me, she goes, Oh, I'm a double minority here. And I was like, welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, no, that was kind of a cool moment. I think it was Jen Snyder who, um, it's like, Oh, is there any straight people out there? And it was like one person in the room and they're like, this is, uh, this, this is what we experience all the time. And now it's you. And right. It's kind of this like weird reverse moment. Like in a space where it's like all, all like all these fabulous queers and, and just really funny comics and just like oh and i'm the one straight person is this what you feel like all the time yeah 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 i've been this person yeah oh sorry is this slightly uncomfortable for a minute mm. Mm, so sorry about that <laughs> no I, th- I think it's a really great festival and when i saw that you were doing the midwest queer comedy fest i was like i really want to be a part of this so bad because I, th- I do think queer spaces are really important and i think it's good too for all the queer comics like uh you know i've met ian and, and ian aber who's that one of the headliners he did this podcast in memphis and lauren faber who's on the show and i've met kai krebs he's done um one of my shows in new york like we've all kind of met 
met each other. So it's cool to like all just get together for one weekend and just be like, we are queer comics and we're doing our thing in different ways, in different places, in different spaces. Like, I think that's really awesome that you brought everyone together and had this idea and then busted your ass to make yeah, it my, happen. My favorite part about this is it's like, it's like a big old family reunion. Like all festivals should be like a family reunion where people are like, well, I don't get to see these people all the time. I mean, it may not be the most financially responsible thing I'm going to do this week, but it'll be fun, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to do what I love and see people that I like, and just I want everybody to walk away from this weekend with like a good taste in their mouth. And like, I have to make the decision. Uh, so the festival goes dark on Monday for a month, and then in October I'm gonna uh, make the decision whether or not we do it again next year and start looking for a city and start planning and then submissions will open in like january oh wow so you're already like thinking about round two yeah just because i remember how long it took to get this up and running this year mm-hmm. so i want to give myself a little extra time because i definitely have to find sponsors next year <laughs> my my poor wallet's just going stop it at least some alcohol spot i mean you mentioned bacardi on here you can just <laughs> be hey, like i spent a lot of time with y'all bacardi if you're mm-hmm. listening yeah they're one of our biggest listeners yeah i think that's one of the things that i would change off the bat is sponsorship i i'm interested i can't wait to like get feedback from comics to find out how like what they thought of the weekend there's a few other things i was just like oh i wish this happened i wish this had happened i hope this happens for the most part like i haven't been disappointed at all like i've been like all the shows that have happened so far have just been like exciting and it feels good it's like yes 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 this is happening this is happening you're in the eye of the storm and it's happening and then when I step back for in the morning, look at my producer role, and she's like, "Okay, what do you need to fix for tonight? What needs to change for tomorrow? What do you need? What do you need to keep your eye on?" And then have some point to relax and just enjoy. I mean, last night was a great time, and I'm looking. For, I'm on one of the shows tonight, um, so I'm looking forward to that so much. And thank you so much for being part of our podcast. Thank you, Dwayne. Where can the people find you? Uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, it's uh, Dwayne Duke. Um, I'm on Instagram at Funny Dwayne. My Twitter is Life's a Party because I got the Twitter handle in like 2007 and I don't know the password. <laughs> so I can't change it or lose my phone. Yeah, I was like, that's a good one. Yeah. You're not like Life's a Party 1537. No, it's just Life's a Party and I can't change it. And then I have an album on iTunes and Amazon and Spotify and all those places. Uh, the last one to come out is called Shame Flashbacks. And my first one is Drunk in a Basement. Nice. <laughs> all right. Well, check those out. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for and, having me. And I can't wait to see you tonight. And I can't wait for the rest of the festival and for many more. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. I'm actually a very boring person these days. I spend all my time at home reading romance novels. Like a woman named Karen. You've, you've seen her. She, uh, she's at Target. She's got the, the three-piece cardigan sweater set on. It's all tan, all neutral colors. Uh, but she's got the most aggressive granny panty fupa you've ever seen. Sort of looks like her snatch is hungry, and it started snacking on her zipper. Like, uh, sort of looks like, her, like she's got the eye of Sauron down in her twat. Like, like you're staring at it from four aisles over going, I'll never feel happiness again. I can feel it. It's, it's touching my soul. The thump, the thump, the thump, the thump. Like that's every step she takes. And it's just going deeper and deeper inside of her like no man has in quite some time. And you're staring at it going, I know I shouldn't make this kind of eye contact. But what secrets do you hold? You know, Karen from accounting. So, uh, I was reading a romance novel the other day, and someone, and I don't know how to say this to you all, someone got romantically fisted. I'll say that again. Someone got romantically fisted, and I am not adult enough for that information, so I texted everyone I knew. I was like, he got romantically fisted. He got romantically fisted. And my friend goes, what does that mean? Is that like pinky out? I was like, nah, bitch, thumb in. (laughs) You know, like, you ever take a women's self-defense class and like how how they teach you to go for the eyes? Like, or you ever just watch a bird peck at some seeds? That's romantic fisting. Unlike the unromantic kind where 
It's just like an old Popeye commercial where he just winds that shit up and gets in there. And now you're riding this dude's forearm like you're in a fucking puppet show. You're getting hit by Judy and Ponch. And you're like, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. You know, Tuesdays. Thank you so much to Dwayne Duke for sharing his world with you. And thank you, Dwayne, for bringing this festival to us and to our world. Stay tuned. The Midwest Queer Comedy Fest is about to make their announcements about next year's festival. You can find them on all the social media. Special thank you to Jessa Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help producing and editing the show. You can catch Greetings from Queer Mountain, the live queer storytelling show in New York, New Orleans, and Austin, and now in Oakland. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you all. If you like what you hear, subscribe. Give us a review, preferably a good one. Thank you all. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.